Hey, welcome everyone to the Reflux Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, and with me I have, as as promised, Kit Heinrichs. Kit, how are you doing? I'm doing just great, thank you. Well, we're going to just start off. We had Clement Mock on the last show, and so so since we knew you were coming up, we had him ask you a question. And he's wondering, other than flags and baseball and whatnot, what 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 are you collecting next? Because he said he said you've got a lot of fetishes that you you are into and that you collect, I which we collect- do because we've oh. talked to you about the flags last time. We've talked to you about the uh, paraphernalia of what is it worded the the art that was made in the internment camps. Yes, that's not my collection, but uh, we still put a book together about that, and with a colleague of mine, Delphine Hirasuna, whose family was in the camps, and she gathered all these things together for the book. But I've collected all kinds of stuff for years, certainly typographic elements. I'm a bibliophile, so I have lots and lots of books, Rockwell Kent books. We have a a great collection of Mexican folk art. And of course, I've got two cats, so that's, uh, that's, that's also part of the collection. It's interesting, and because I go out all the time looking for flag things, I also find other things that are graphically interesting, so I end up collecting those as well. I understand how that goes. So, And and, and, and a lot of the things I assume you started because they might be in the flag section? Well, you know, you, you, you go to these ephemera affairs, and you go, to, you go to one thing, and then there's a guy next to the guy you're talking to, he says, I've got something like that, or you might find this interesting. And sure enough, he's got something that I find interesting. So it works out. It works out just fine. Yeah. And I noticed in your book, which we'll talk about in a bit, you even talked about collecting figures that hold the flags or that carry the flags along that like little little miniatures that I didn't realize there were so many of. Oh, I have, well, certainly over a thousand and they're, they're flag bearers. And they come from all kinds of sets in different countries, but only American flags. So I have them from, oh, the turn of the century up until last week. So there's a broad range of things in there. They are beautifully, they're well-crafted, and you'd be surprised how many different iterations of that single object. And on occasions, I would have to buy an entire collection of soldiers just to get the flag bearer so oh my. It's, a, it's, a, it's a process so then you have to find a home for the the rest of the soldiers i assume right well i try and find a home from someone else who wants to collect just soldiers and not worried about the flag bearer so <laughs> i didn't i mean it makes sense that that if, if you have toy soldiers you're going to have one of them carrying the flag i just didn't realize until i until i read your book it was like oh there would be a lot of these oh yes there's lots of those. And I think it's this, this collection of, and I often call them cultural icons, even though some people call them toys or other figures that uh, are kind of of our culture. And that is another vast collection, which I have virtually just donated to the Museum of Modern Mythology in, in Van Nuys, California. They have a great collection of all kinds of advertising figures and so on. And so I've donated the collection to that. Oh, wow. That's that's fantastic. Where do people go to view that then? When they go to, to Van Nuys, and it's actually at an airport, they have some of the old hangars. And so they've turned the hangars into 
this place to show all these collectibles. I don't have an exact address for you at this minute, but to the Van Nuys Airport. Next time I'm in the Van Nuys Airport, which I which I may have to take <laughs> a trip to, I will check out your collection. <laughs> I go to Burbank and you can drive there. It'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're in Omaha, so we're quite a ways away. It'll take me, it'll take me a couple of days to get there, but it's probably worth my time. So I think I have some time this summer. We'll see. So Kit, we want to talk to you. You have Graphis just put out narrative design, a 50-year perspective on on you and your work. And right. and this is the new people. People can go to graphis.com, I assume, and pick up a copy or or, or catch it wherever they, else they can. That's right. Hopefully there's also bookstores that will be carrying it. I know it's traveled across, across the country. And you, you can get it from Amazon if you want to do that as well. I always like to think that you go directly to Graphis and you'll get the everything and they're very attentive they take care of it right away so um i hope that some of your uh, listeners will um will do that what was it that now by the way the book is gorgeous as as i assumed it would be what is it that that made you think that now is the time to finally put this put this down in in hardcover well when you've been doing it as long as i have and i lied a bit on the cover it says a 50-year perspective I've been doing it a little longer than 50 years, but I figured that the 50-year mark is kind of where the good stuff started. So it kind of went from there. It's, uh, you know, you start doing it enough. Uh, I've been through a number of things, a number of partnerships, work with a lot of great people in the process, and hopefully uh, not only a massed amount of work, but actually done some decent work in various areas of the business that I thought maybe I could help educate the next generation along the way with hopefully what I've learned, uh, maybe able to guide them a bit in what they're going to do. So hopefully it's a really kind of educational piece, not just a um, a pompous piece about how wonderful I am. I hope it's much more about uh, people learning from, if, if nothing else, the mistakes I've made along the way and the things I've learned that have been successful. And so it's, it's a little bit of a guide for the next generation. Was it was it you that came up with the idea, or 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 did Graphis call you and say like, "Hey, we 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 need to publish this book"? Oh, and then I, I and then once that happened, were you like just daunted, like, "How am I going to narrow it down, or how do I fill up this many pages?" Like, I, I'm sure it's a little of both. Well, it, it is. Um, I had been uh, put up for um, Cooper Hewitt has their design awards every year, and I've been nominated several times to do that. And in the process of preparing for the Cooper Hewitt show, I would put material together. And at some point it it was easier to actually have a book done, a small, small book of, you know, 200 pages and, uh, and, and send that into them. And so I had actually done some of the work and just kind of gathering things of which they'd requested. But then of course they were very focused on uh, you know, 10 different case studies. They didn't want to have the broader range of things. And as I began looking at it, the pieces I was going to pull together for it, I thought, gee, there is a lot of things that I have done and organized into these various groups um, of which I've broken out into chapters in the book, which are ways of which I've kind of solved problems and organized information to be told in a, in a consistent and hopefully effective fashion. So that's been uh, uh, that's been what kind of drove it to a certain extent, and of course, once you start to get in doing it, along comes COVID, 
And that slows things down a tiny bit. So it took me three years to kind of put the book together, even though we have 50 years of gathering all the work and doing all the work in the, in the process. Yeah, and I and I will say it was fun to kind of see, because I'm always curious, it's, it's always fun to see how people solve that issue of do you, do you just start like the first 10 years, the second 10 years, or do you, like like you did, where you kind of came up with a category where you said, this is the work I've done with faces and, and such. Exactly. And it just seemed, it, it wasn't meant to be, even though I have a section at the back, which actually does a little bit of a, a life story to a certain extent when I was at Art Center and taking that all the way through to today and kind of following a chronology of some of the milestones along the way, I didn't want to organize the book that way. I wanted to try and organize it by things that helped people understand how some things worked and by grouping some things together, made it clearer and more uh, easier for them to understand and follow. Each one of these stories you do have, you do show the work greatly, but then there's a little tidbit about each one, a little caption. And the one I wanted to ask about was you have a poster with the car and it's got the design license plate. And then in the bumper has the, like a skyline from California, but you said this is pre-Photoshop. This was done in like 82. So that's right. It was one of those things. And it's the only piece that I have that is in the Museum of Modern Arts permanent collection. And it was one of those things because this was the first time the AIGA had ever had a show outside of New York or national show to be focused in a region of the country. And so I was asked to help organize the show and to do the call for entries and was working with Terry Heffernan, who is just a fabulous photographer. And we got, uh, I think a 1947 Ford in absolutely mint condition. Uh, brought it into his studio, and then built this set all the way around it with cutting silhouettes uh, from San Diego to San Francisco, and then put a set of lights, and the entire thing was done in camera. There was no Photoshop, and there wasn't really the exception of the license plate, except that that was stripped in separately because it I didn't want it to take on the same color value that you're getting of the sunset in the background. And so we got palm trees and... Uh, Transamerica Tower and Los Angeles and other things in the process. And it was a real joy to do. And um, it's kind of amazing today to think that people would not even think about do doing something in camera. It would all have to be all Photoshopped. When I saw it, until I read that caption, it's just like, oh, you know, obviously it's just Photoshopped in. But I was like, oh, someone actually thought about cutting things out on cardboard, lighting it, showing the reflections in the chrome. Like, it's a whole different thing. And it was, of course, as we, we thought initially it was going to be just the bumper, but then we saw the wonderful reflections in the fenders and all the other shiny parts of the front of the car. And we so we, we changed the design of it to include the whole front of the car in putting it together. And it's uh, um, it's been pretty effective. I was uh, quite pleased at the time, and it seemed to work pretty well on the first AIGA show in California. Yeah, and, and as I said, I think it's great because I'm I've taught history of graphic design a few times. I'm actually teaching it for the next two weeks now. We're our quarter's almost over. When we look at old pieces that were done, I I have to tell students that this looks very simple to do, but type wasn't just you know set up like that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's fun to read these things to remind us too that 
these things we looked at before, the reason they were groundbreaking is because of the effort that went into them just to get the idea across and that it's easy now, but it wasn't always. Well, the, the potlatch series of annual reports that have been done, which at the time, I hate to use the term groundbreaking, but it was very uh, labor intensive to do and ragging type around these photographs and other things like that was something that people don't think about today, but was some poor devil, someone who I'd hired who worked amazingly well, was able to rag all the type around these things. And it was just a labor of love, definitely, because the impact of that kind of integration of type and imagery was relatively fresh at that point. That that seemed to be relatively new with that kind of detail. So it was uh, it was great to do, great to work on. Yeah, is there is there anything now that you that you still think, even with technology, is it still like think of the idea first and then figure out how to do it, or even if it takes extra labor, or is everything oh, just no? Well, hopefully, everything we do is idea first. That it doesn't start with how can I what technology can I use to make it happen. I really try and think of the ideas first, and that's what's always driven everything I've done. And so that still is first thing on the list, but technology has allowed us to do all kinds of things that we couldn't do before. We can imagine things that would have been just impossible to do or very difficult to do. And now we can just kind of do it. It's just amazing. And AI is, I know is good or bad is going to change that even more. It, but it's always been that way, hasn't it? Like, I mean, but I mean, this just seems like a, I'm, I'm, I'm of a mixed thing where every time there's something that makes things easier it also makes things certain things harder or it doesn't it doesn't seem to take away the work still needs to be done somehow absolutely uh, i think the thing that the computer generally has done for us is that unfortunately every time you do something on the screen it's finished there's no sketch aspect um and so i still draw things beforehand to get an idea out there. And then once I have an idea in my mind, then the development on the on the computer is done. But because it is so finished, every time you do something on there, it's easy to say, oh, that looks okay, and stop. I think it's important to continue to always kind of refine and make things better than uh, they were before. I fully agree. And that, that's worded better than I would have done it. So. All right. All right. Okay. We're going to be right back with Kit Heinrichs. Hey, Kit. The hey. other thing we want to talk about is the standard, SAPI. You have, you've been working on this now for since 2006. Uh, yeah, it's getting near 10 years in doing this. It's been uh, it's been a real another labor of love that it's we are so fortunate to be able to work with a company like Sappy and originally with Potlatch before it became part of Sappy. So we've had a long history with them in doing a series of educational things primarily uh, in working with them. And I think and I think last time we talked to you, we actually were talking about the the standard number five and the standard number seven just came out. Right. And so for for those listeners, the standard is uh, I mean, it's a spiral bound book that that really shows some aspect of printing or or effects that can be done on paper 
but it's done in a way where I guess they give these out as paper samples. Is that is that people still collect these from Sappy? Hope that your paper rep they, gives you one. Um, they they do. The the market, as you will be aware, is is evolving, and so the audience has shifted a little more from just graphic designers who were early in the this century. They were the specifiers of the paper. Now it's moved a little bit more into the corporations and the marketing people within the corporations and the printers, of course, to specify the paper as well. The tool is the same as the audience has shifted a little bit and the focus of some of the content in there also has evolved. The number five that we talked about was like special printing techniques, but Correct. the standard seven is packaging perception. So it's all about crazy things you can do with printing to make to make packages. On number five, when we spoke, you said you were at the press check for three weeks straight. Yeah. I assume, I assume since we spoke, you spent about half of the time literally at press check for number seven here, because this thing true. also looks crazy. <laughs> well, it was an important thing for Sappy to be able to show the things that can be done on paper and on their board, which has always been the goal was to say, how can this stuff look so great? And But understanding that just the market itself, when you pick up a package and you touch it and feel it and look at it, it makes a difference in how you how you perceive the, the product inside. And so that aspect of it was very important to them to, that the tactile aspect was just so crucial in understanding how people view a product and view what's inside. So we... Um, uh, that was an important aspect of everything we did. So every package that we created, and they were all, all I don't say fictitious, but all made up companies, all made up products. But we were saying if we were going to do a beauty product or we were going to do uh, a tequila, what might we do to make it more interesting in the way in which it's going to be uh, understood and so that was that was the premise of what we were doing for the whole thing. And did you actually create all these packages and photograph them for the book? And some of them are actually just bound in with the rest of it, some of the smaller ones. There are some pieces that we actually made the box and it's flat and then bound into the book. So people could actually make a box out of it if they wanted to. But it's a combination of things. Some things we created, some things we just created on the computer. And so we put together the the graphics and the idea behind it, but it, it didn't need to be a three-dimensional box to do that. Um, the elephant box uh, done for uh, the museum in the Midwest, that was something that we actually had created something similar to that years ago for the nature company. We had a bunny that was done and we had actually built the box. And so we thought, why don't we do the same thing for this in having a box that actually is something beyond just a container but something that actually is a, uh, an interesting product in itself. So that was part of the ideas in, in creating the the, uh, the boxes themselves. And it, it turned out great. Seriously, what what is the was it still like a three week press check on this thing? There were so many passes on doing it because it's uh, you know eight colors in many cases, and there's lots of there's embossing, there's die stamping, there's uh, different coatings and so on. I would be there primarily to, to be sure that the color and the images were right. And then we work with such great guys at, at Classic Color. 
and they are even more strident in making things perfect that they are they'll say listen you okay this and we'll we'll send you sheets once we've done some of the additional passes on it so it's kind of three quarters of it's done press side and another quarter is done after i've left and they send me sheets so it's a really interesting process has that evolved over the years too or it, it has it it we've worked so long with classic color that you know you it's like i begin a sentence and they finish it it's one of those things so it is and they're they're very deferential to what we want to achieve and what sappy wants to achieve and they do their damnedest to not only do what we've talked about but enhance it even further so it's uh it's been wonderful to to work with them what is the next standard that's coming out or do you, do you discuss it immediately or do you like, I need to take a break no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or do you already things, have like the next 20 lined up? Well, I, I, it's not quite that way. I would think that they, this is something that obviously they're expensive to put together. There's a lot of time and effort going into it. So those things are planned. And so we will probably talk about the next one. I would think in the fall, and then think about what may be coming out in 2024, 25. And maybe if I push it long enough, we could do a flag one in on the 250th anniversary of the country. And we can do that in, in 2026. Oh, that's, that is, that's that not is bad it. timing. Yeah, that'd be perfect. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll work on that a little at a time. They've been very good about listening to what we think would be important and interesting for people. And of course, they've also got a marketing position to do. So we work with them, of course, as we do with all of our clients to try and make things work for everybody. And I think I know a guy that knows some stuff about flags. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard, heard about him. Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, you, you've you also done a couple, is, is it now four postage stamps for the, are they, but it's all flags for the, for the That's United correct. States stamp? That was, well, it's, um, I'll give you a little background. I won't go too much on this, but um, they had in 1818 18, was the Flag Act, which was done because the country was growing state by state pretty rapidly. And Congress was going, what are we going to do every time we add a new state? We add another star, do we add another stripe? And they had all kinds of things that went on there. And so at that particular point, they said, well, we have to find and codify this system. So that was the the development of that flag act. And that was uh, done to, it was, about, it was 20, 20 stars at that point, 20 states. And so they wanted to commemorate that particular thing and that date. And so we did that particular commemorative flag. But at the same time, and in the development of this flag, of the stamp itself, we had developed several other directions and so on for the flag. So they said, well, th these are interesting and we always do flag stamps. So we ended up doing, I believe, five different flag stamps um, through that process. And I know the post office, because they do, they usually launch a new flag stamp at least once a year. I Yeah, I think they do. And it was, there was, a, and Chris, it's, it's great to do a stamp because there's billions of them done and it's not too often that your work gets to be shown to so many people and used around the world and certainly around the country with something you've designed. But it is every year they pretty much do one. 
but they don't always come back to me to have it done every time. And I also assume it's one of those few times where sometimes I know it can be difficult to get samples from a client because they're already on to the next project, but, but okay. those you can probably just, you just go to the anywhere you can pick them up. You can pick up your samples at, at your Costco. It doesn't matter. They're, they're all over. <laughs> That's right. And of course there, there are, of course they're collectibles at that point. So there are places that have stamps that they have for hundreds of years. And so it's uh, it's great. You can always find it. And the, one of the interesting parts and actually in the book as well is the first day cover that is done. So we were able to create a first day cover in addition to what the post office had done. And that uh, gave us a chance to do the envelope. And so we had a limited edition. We signed them. I have this thing about signing things. So I was signing the editions as well. And so there are um, a few hundred of those out there as well. Yeah, I've actually attended uh, as a kid. We actually attended some first day issue of stamps. Yeah. I think we the honeybee one we drove to Omaha back. I mean, I didn't live in Omaha at the time. I think that's where it was. And then I think when they did the Red Cloud stamp, we drove down to Red Cloud, Nebraska and went to that one. So I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and those those are collectible. Those you, every time I go to any one of these ephemera fairs, there are always first day covers of various stamps and historic events. Well, I mean, that's got to be cool then to actually do one. I mean, then you're running across, someone's probably trying to sell you one of these and you're like, I think I have one. <laughs> there are a lot of them, so they're not rare, but they are, um, I feel I feel great every time someone sends me a, sends me hopefully a, a check uh, that also has a, a stamp on it that we've designed, it's been great. No, that's fantastic. All right, Kit, we'll be right back. It was just, uh, you know, this uh, this 50-year period of putting all this stuff together was uh, was such not only a treat for me, but it also gave me an opportunity because there is so much work. You talked originally about how much how much stuff you kind of leave on the cutting room floor when you're doing something like this. And I can yeah. tell you that as the book is completed, I wish, oh, I wish I'd put this in or I'm sorry I put that in. Or whatever. Okay. So there is a little bit of that. Where where do people go to follow you? You're at Kit Heinrichs, or it's Kit Heinrichs, but it's Heinrichs Studio now is is your company. It, yes, you, it's, you, it's, it, if they want to email me, it's kit at studio-heinrichs.com. Certainly I'm on the web and you can take a look at any of the new projects we're working on and so on are there. So you can uh, you can always find me. It seems like people find me all the time. So it's a uh, it's great. And 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 your book does say 50 years, but and as you mentioned, the timeline actually somehow starts 64 years ago or something. I saw it starting in like 1960, and I'm like, my math is a little better than I, I know this isn't 50 years, or maybe I missed this book like that came out a dozen years ago. <laughs> You've been hiding it. No, it's it's just the perspective started 50 years ago. Maybe that's the difference in putting it together. But I you know, I literally started when I was in school, and uh so it kind of took it from there. Yeah, and there's no schoolwork in here, by the way. It's it's no, no. no. It, you're, I, there is one project I did when I was in school as a senior, and it was a cha 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 record album. And my partner, my future partner Vance Johnson, was my teacher at that point, and he assigned a, a record album to everyone in the class, and we all got to do one. And he actually got it produced, which was so it was the first 
printed object I'd ever had done. So that's in there. But all the rest of the work is professional work. And probably not until 10, 15 years in the field where I started thinking it was good enough to be included in the book. Well, everything in, in it looks great, but I assume there was just a ton more that, that didn't um, make it. Or was there something where a client's like, you can't show that? Was there no, one where I you're had, like... I had none of that. Very current projects, in some cases, clients would say, it has to, we have to release it first before you can put it in the book. And so that was fair enough. Everything is pretty much, uh, I'm the editor of this as well. So I get to choose. And if you have any complaints about it, you can come to me. I was the, I was the guy. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have any complaints. It's, it, it, but I mean, even though this thing's like 300 pages long, you have to have stuff that you weren't able to put in there or you found later or. There are no, there are no videos in there. We, we, we do a fair amount of, uh, when we do branding, we're oftentimes, of course, animating the logo in some way. And we've done some projects when we were, in fact, when we were doing scoring and folding, we did a video for Sappy that is just my hands folding all these different 40 or so different unique folds. And that was made into a video, but it's not in, not in this. And so I don't have that opportunity. Maybe the next thing I'll do will be all, uh, be a complete video of all the things that uh, we've done that are movable in the process. Oh yeah, you got to have a reel. You got to have a reel yeah. in addition to uh, to the to the to the book. Kit, I really have to thank you for your time. It was great talking to you, and 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 I hope and I hope uh, I hope to see another one of these in another sixty four years or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, it may not be quite that long, but if I could just say one more thing, I oftentimes get asked because I make presentations about the book. And there is a little bit of, do I have anything else to kind of say to the, to the next generation of designers? And I, I think it's important that all of us in the design field understand that we are the, the image makers of our culture and the way in which future generations and even our own will be judged, will be by the quality of the things we do. And it can be the small, simple things as well as the major things. And that everything we do contributes to the positive look at what our culture is. And so when we kind of throw things away and say, oh, that isn't important, I'll just do it, it's just for the money. Don't look at it that way. Look at you're a cultural ambassador to the next generation of the world and how our culture will be viewed is oftentimes by the quality of the imagery that we create and the stories that we tell. And so that's to me an important story that I think needs to be carried from generation to generation. That's great advice. I don't have anything to add to that, but <laughs> you know, it's it's just wonderful. But you're you're teaching, you're doing that, and that's important that you tell your your students, what's going on, what they're doing, the value of what they do is important to be carried on on all levels of education, uh, whether it's just starting or whether you're in the field for 50 years uh, or more as I am. I think it's an important thing to keep in mind. How do you tell your client that this stuff needs to be better? Um, actually, I have found over a certain number of, of years that our clients want to want to be perceived well. They want to have people 
think of them as being a, a good citizen within the country that they're part of. And they like understanding that you care enough about it to make them look good, make them look better, and to make our culture look better. And I've never had reticence from any of our clients to do that. I rarely tell them in that way, but I do talk about the value of what it is that we do and they do for their own products, own services. And that's an important story to maintain. There's a partnership with the client and, and you both kind of have to be on the same page. Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate the time that you've uh, spent with me and I enjoy doing it. And uh, um, I hope it's not only when I have another book out that we talk again, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find some way to do that. <laughs> I do. I do hope we run into each other soon. Maybe, okay. maybe we'll run into at the Van Nuys airport or wherever that is, <laughs> you know, when we're both just randomly in Burbank on a Tuesday. <laughs> you got it. Give me a call and I'll join you there. All right. Thanks, Kit. Okay, great. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.